This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. A new Jewish deli in Newtown. It's kind of like our own Jewish Johnny Rockets, you know? More on the food and the owners behind the Borscht Belt. This is a podcast about food in and around Philadelphia. That's a quick, delicious, flavorful bite. It was really hard for me to get into it. Stories from behind the kitchen. This is a wood-burning oven from Italy. It is intense. And hear about quirky stuff, too. Eat a pint of ice cream as quickly as you can, and then resume the 5K. This is What's Cooking on KYW. I'm Hadass Kuznets at the Borscht Belt with Mike Dalowitz and Chef Nick Liberato, co-owners of this restaurant here in Village South Shopping Center at 2124 South Eagle Road in Newtown. And Mike, let's start off the story about the Jewish deli with a joke, shall we? Well, we were just talking about this and you walked in and I said, let's lighten it up. So I said, you know the difference between the Jewish mothers and the Italian mothers at at the food table. The Italian mothers come up to you and they say, if you don't finish the food, I'm gonna kill you. But the Jewish mothers come up to you and say, if you don't finish your food, I'm gonna kill myself. (laughs) Different approaches, similar situations. Nick and I, you know, both with that Italian Jewish background and heritage we come together we laugh we joke about you know things and it's truly been a blessing to work with nick and learn about both of our cultures and have this crazy infusion of worlds that we have here at the borscht belt delicatessen now nick you didn't grow up with this food but you married into it i understand I married into it. Growing up in this area, all of my best friends to this day are all Jewish. So I grew up, I was like one of maybe three Italian families in an all Jewish neighborhood. So it was always very like, you know, strong influence on me, whether it was in Philadelphia or with my friends, I was going to their bat and bar mitzvahs, celebrating Passover, Hanukkah. But as far as being this in depth that I am with the food, it's taken until now to really get this deep. Do you feel any sort of a challenge? Because like, you've got to make it authentic. Oh my God. When I first got into this, there was an enormous challenge. I think anytime that you're taking on a genre of food that you didn't, weren't necessarily raised with, you want to make sure you're giving the most respectful, generous, like most beautiful pass at it. So anyone that knows me knows I put a ton of pressure on myself to make sure that I'm executing it as, as perfectly as I possibly can. Well, you will have three bat mitzvahs 
to oversee in the near future at some point? Absolutely. I have a four, seven, and eight-year-old, all three beautiful girls. That, in the far future. Yes. And my, my beautiful wife, Jennifer, who's a beautiful Jewish girl from Brooklyn. Mike and I were actually introduced at the school where our daughters went, Shirami, by Rabbi Goldberg. You know, I was living in California at the time, and Mike had some real serious interest about getting involved with the restaurant business. So uh, Rabbi Goldberg had mentioned to Mike, hey, there's this chef. He's got a TV show. He's looking to come home and open up a, a restaurant. Next thing you knew, I'm in Valentine's Day service in 2020. We're on the phone. We had set up a time to meet because I was coming home for a press tour. And him and I sat down for some drinks in, in uh, New Hope, actually. On Valentine's well, we, Day, let's not... We, we talked on Valentine's Day, but the first time we met in person was a little later in that month. A little month. later, yes. See, love, at see, see, bite, love at first bite. Love at first bite. And by the way... You're full of the jokes. I, I just I want to say, it. he said he married in, into this, right? First of all, his wife made a name, Nagel, like bagel. Just have to yes. put that in. <laughs> that's, that's 100%. But, you know, coming home, you know, this concept would have never come about if it wasn't for the pandemic. We established this business in 2020. I was initially coming home to open up something more of like a Sicilian like seafood concept, which Mike and I, when I was driving back east from California, from Venice, where I had my restaurants, um, I was on the phone with Mike and he's like, I'm not sure we're going to be able to do this. Eventually, I ended up landing here. Him and I are sitting 20, 30 feet across from each other in his backyard where he was building his home in Solberry. And we were talking about what can we possibly do? So we started to focus on food that was possibly recession-proof, pandemic-proof, but essentially something that would last the test of time. We started talking about those genres of food, whether it was Chinese, Italian. And, I, you know, pizza, there's a lot of great pizza around here. I didn't want to be another person opening up a pizza place. And we wanted to think about something that really hadn't been done or at the level that we expected it. So Mike had brought up bagels. We started talking about Jewish deli. Next thing you knew, him and I were going on some deli tours, both in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and of course, New York City. And we started putting together ideas, talking about names. And I remember it was the second time we sat in his backyard and I was like, Mike, we need a, a vehicle for this. We need to figure out our brand. We got to figure out a name. And, you know, we're kicking around all these funny names. And he looked at me and he said, have you ever heard of the Borscht Belt? And I said, no, I haven't. And then as he started explaining it, I started Googling some images. And my father and I, my dad raised me watching Jerry Lewis. And of course, I'm a big fan of Dirty Dancing and now Miss Maisel. And the more I dug into it, it became that much more familiar to me. But the most important thing for me was to really understand where a lot of Jewish people had settled in the world, because then we were able to grab all those different influences, aesthetics, feels, vibes, to be able to incorporate that into this place, as well as giving a very generous bow to the New York delis. Yeah. The Borscht Belt, really, anybody who hears that knows you're doing Ashkenazic, Jewish, like deli-style, Borscht, Russian. Eastern European influence yeah. food, yeah. So... You know, this kind of food is the food I grew up with. And for me, I wasn't always a fan, to be honest with you. I, I, I wanted to love it more. Everyone in my family loved it. It meant gatherings. It meant community. It meant celebrations. Sometimes, unfortunately, shivas as well. But it meant the ability to just get together. And in the pandemic, it just felt inspirationally right. And I, I had this crazy idea from, a, you know, from someone who comes from a business background. I want to look at a growth business. I want to look at things that are needed on scale that, that we talked about scalability, which Nick just said. And I said, what would, what would be great to have a, 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 
and a genre of food that literally was once as equivalent in New York as a, Italian or Chinese. There was Jewish deli and appetizing just around the corner. You would always have one. And I said, and it died. So the growth was there, right? Because there's not many of those left. And the ones that are left are very of that old school style, which I love. And, and with the ability to honor that is incredible. But then the ability to take someone who's helmed two-star Michelin restaurants and bring his passion and love for a food that he might not have been familiar with, taste everything and say, listen, we can do this, we can do this. And the creativity that I saw around it, uh, that combined with some of the great partnerships we have with uh, some of our New York City um, uh, uh, partners like Essa Bagel, where we get fresh baked Essa Bagels daily from New York, you know, from New York City for yeah. our customers. Bialis from Shelsky's of Brooklyn. I mean, the, you know, our our breads from Rockland Bakery, where I grew up in Rockland County, New York. And what Nick's been able to do to this food is just absolutely tremendous. And he keeps on coming up with these new ideas. And now this new Borscht Belt from our first, you know, and it now has these more prepared sit-down foods so, that, that he's now able to play with and do things a little bit more creatively and play things more formally. And it's just, I, I am every day in awe every time I come in my own place. What made you decide to come here to Newtown? This is Nick's homecoming. You know, I, we both live in Bucks County. I'm in a New Hope. He grew up in Yardley, lives literally down the road in Newtown. And I spend most of my time here as well, as he said. Our Shira Me, who is a, a big partner of ours as well in this community and supporter. Our kids go to the Shira Me synagogue and we're locals here. This is our community. This is our home. This isn't some big corporate backed business. This is two guys with passion wanting to do something amazing for this community. And it just so happens with the concept, we're ready. We ran through our test and we're here now in hometown. We're putting in our papers now for franchise. So this will be hopefully a national and global concept that Nick and I can back and be proud of and then say that we really did launch it, you know, after having the great community of Stockton and the surrounding areas of Rivertown to bring it hometown to Newtown, Pennsylvania is really awesome. So what's on the menu, Nick? You have a whole spread here of examples. Tell us some of your highlights. I don't know if you want to split it up into categories or how you want to explain it to our audience. Sure. Yeah. I mean, we have a really nice kind of build your own area on the menu where you can pick any type of bread, bagel or biale and essentially kind of build your own. But then we took a lot of that work out of it and started to get pretty creative, utilizing and marrying a lot, together a lot of ingredients throughout our cases and coming up with putting a lot of creativity behind some of the sandwiches. I had kind of brought one right in front of you, which I thought it was a great explanation of kind of global influence, you know, to the cuisine. So this is actually called a bon mitzvah, which is a play on a bon mi sandwich. It's with our, you know, our brisket. We have a sambal aioli, pickled carrots, cucumbers, jalapeno, cilantro. Everything from that to, you know, like a Cubano sandwich with tongue. There's pickled herring in some sandwiches, sturgeon, sable, and different builds. One of my personal favorite is our pine sandwich, which is toasted caraway bread with horseradish cream cheese, thinly sliced pastrami smoked salmon with honey mustard and red onion. It's just got one of these really interesting flavors, but everything that you're looking at right now has had a lot of thought and time put into it. Thinking about the palatability, thinking about the elevation of it on the plate, thinking about more than three colors so it, it triggers you in your mind for it to actually be interesting and not some sort of flat dish that you're looking at. So there's a lot of thought that's been put into a lot of this stuff. You know, and, and kind of going back to what Mike had said about this business being cannibalized or a lot of them. I think there was 
a lot of generations that didn't necessarily take over what their grandparents or parents were doing and they become doctors and lawyers and whatnot and just didn't want to get into the restaurant business. Um, I will definitely try to keep my kids out of this business as well. Because, you will. Well, you know, you I just... You are now a pastrami surgeon. You are a doctor <laughs> I, uh, of, of the pastrami. I, I, t- <laughs> I, I was raised in kind of a little bit of a different pedigree being in this business for 30 years. I was raised in like an older mentality, working in French kitchens, working in Michelin star restaurants, where it's just a different environment as far as your moves and how you think about things, your dedication. And, you know, I, I was working in places where I would come in two hours early, not clock in, then work a full shift and then clock out and then, you know, go out for beers and then do it all over again. So my commitment to this business is, is everything. But, you know, supermarkets have cannibalized what a normal deli experience is. And then not to mention this pandemic that had just hit certainly closed quite a few businesses across the board, whether it was a restaurants and beyond. But with any drought or with any bad times in our lives, you know, it's really important to know that there's a bloom ahead. You know, there's better times ahead and you kind of have to hit those bad times in order to be able to bounce up. So everything, you know, when we opened up in Stockton, you know, I think things were a little bit darker with the tile and, you know, we opened up where we had to open up to kind of prove our concept. But Getting this opportunity to open up here in Newtown, anyone that's been to our space in Stockton versus this one, you immediately feel how much brighter it is, how much happier it is, you know, how much more thought out. All A the- lot has changed in three years. So much has changed. We've grown. The concept has grown. Our team has grown. The world has changed. The world has changed. And just like Mike and I had this conversation a long time ago, just like you know, the pandemic that hit in 1918, the Roaring Twenties didn't start until 1924. So we personally feel that we are in the midst of a renaissance and we're really happy to have our business established and to be able to thrive and grow in Newtown where there's a ton of other businesses opening right now. So this area is really booming and leaving here in the late nineties and coming back in 2020, this is everything I could have imagined and, and prayed for and, and hoped for. So this is, I think we're exactly where we need to be at the right time at the right place. And uh, you know, a lot of what we built this for, Nick and I came up with something that we feel really gives a great synopsis of what we're about. We call it delicious nostalgia. In Yiddish, they had an expression, Essen on Gedecken, which is to eat and remember. And really that that's what we're about. It's about, you don't have to be Jewish to come in and love our food. Yeah. We, we have foodies. We have people from all other creeds and, and races and cultures and religions. And they just come and love it. And it's a place where they bring their kids and their families. We have 1950s and 60s music. People are coming in and dancing. They're looking at our the, the pictures and the, the memorabilia. And they're remembering times of when they were a waiter at Grossinger's or a busboy at the Concord and, you know, in the, in the 1950s and 60s or how they went on their, their honeymoon over at the Nevely Hotel. And it's just, it's amazing to hear the stories. It's amazing to have their families brought here and then to have their, you know, serving them amazing egg creams and just everything that brought them back, the nostalgic candy and the food that Nick prepares. And you come over here and everyone's just in this, this zone, this place of, you know, what pandemic? We're, we're, we're here, we're celebrating life. And, and it's not just a restaurant. This is, this is a community, this is a place. And everyone over here is just such a special part of this family. And, you know, right before uh, we got here, Nick took the staff, you know, set everyone down. And literally that was the theme of his, 
you know, his chef owner talk to everyone. It is, this is your home. You are a family. Everyone is an equal. Everyone's a part of this. And we want you to have a good time working here as well. This is a place where we want you to be here forever. We want you to enjoy this. We want you to be part of this growth and create new opportunities for you. So, you know, the way he envisions how he's going to treat customers and food and create that experience, he's also doing for our staff. And it's truly inspirational to me as his business partner to come in and see see all this and be a part of it. In the restaurant business, if you don't build a culture, you have nothing. Otherwise, it's just a paycheck between your weekends. So people understand that with like their dedication, their passion, their commitment, and most importantly, leadership. And what's going to drive that and what's going to challenge people and welcoming mistakes and understand that they're going to turn into new ingredients and, you know, new recipes in life. But, you know, there's a lot of people coming in here that don't have a lot of experience in one way or another. But something I've been really happy to be able to do is build people up and build leaders and make people better and believe in themselves and and take on things. And coming into this genre of food, you know, I, I was raised in this culture, in this business with no rules. Meaning, you know, I've traveled the entire world. I've dedicated my life to traveling the world and experiencing different cultures and having the utmost respect for all that and bringing a little bit of that home with every country that I've been to. And I've tried to apply that to any any shows that I've done on TV and every guest that I meet, it, you know, it's like this is our stage. We built our theater. And as I was telling my team earlier, it's, it's, it's showtime. Well, let's bring it back to the food. There are some staple items that are important to point out. You mentioned the egg creams. Yes. Let's talk about that. And do you want to talk about it first? Because you said your family was part of... Nick, 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 always when the egg cream comes, he's like, you know, he's like, Mike, the one thing you can come in and touch, don't touch the food, don't touch anything. He's like, but you, you can do egg cream trading. <laughs> uh, All right, so you, you, your family has a history with the egg cream. We do, we do. So my great-grandfather had a place, Lewis's Luncheonette in Brooklyn in the early 19th to mid-1900s. So you bet syrup, which is the only way to make egg creams, by the way. That was established in 1900, but really popularized in around 1910 to 1920. And my great-grandfather, Lewis, where my mother also and and aunt also worked as kids and, you know, helping with the candy or cleaning up or doing whatever. He was one of the first Brooklyn Luncheonettes to make um, you bet egg creams. So the Brooklyn egg cream, which became so famous, I was boot camp trained as a kid. If I made an egg cream wrong at five years old, I was done. It was it. Like everyone in my family, this was sort of our like signature item. We always had some form of an egg cream going in there. So it was, it was very important. And we, we got these glasses now that we're serving in and selling. And we wanted to get the exact sort of measurements because egg creams itself, you can measure where the syrup comes in, where the milk and where the seltzer is. But just like a three ingredient drink, like an old fashioned, you can easily mess up an egg cream. It really goes... Just like a Negroni. Just like a Negroni. (laughs) You have your milk, your chocolate syrup, and your seltzer, but it's a matter of the proportion. It's a matter of the temperature. Milk should be ice cold. Seltzers should be cold. Seltzers have a lot of fizz in it. It's a matter of, you know, a pre-mix you do with the milk and a little pre-mix with the milk and syrup, and then the emulsification process and really stirring out that egg cream. If you have it from a, a siphon or, or a, a tap, it's great. If you have it from a seltzer bottle, use the back of the spoon, gets a little more fizzy, and then you do your 
little stirs to get it emulsified. And you You're get selling your the stirs, right? What are you? So we sell the glass, we sell the egg cream, we sell the the stirs. It's we call it our egg cream kit, you bet syrup. We don't have the milk because that doesn't travel well, but we will have our egg cream kits available in store online and then in Gold Belly as we're launching nationally on Gold Belly as well with all our products. We're very excited to have our egg creams with that. And some of the iconic staples that you'd find over here on the deli side, obviously your your pastrami, your your pastrami's and corned beefs, and Nick could talk a little bit about that. And our special treat, which we're bringing back, which was the iconic staple of the Catskills, was what they called the RPG. Now the RPG. You get arguments whether it started at Herbie's or Lefty's in the Catskills. Everyone had their favorite version, but it's a roast pork on garlic bread. The, the resorts were kosher, but there were many people that came out there that weren't, and Jews and Chinese food. You would go to a place, a deli, you'd have chow mein on your menu, egg creams, and a roast pork on garlic bread along with all your Jewish food. And Nick's version, taking what he does as a chef, is amazing because he took a very you know simple dish, kept it simple, but really put a spin on it, doing it with a, a homemade char siu chalk pork belly and pickled cucumbers and his garlic bread on a, on a hot dog brioche from Rock and Bakery. And just the combination with duck sauce, the combination is just amazing. I had his final iteration and I was just like, my God, you did it. This is it. The RPG is back. Yeah, um, I, I got to say, wait, that this is new to me because I'd never heard of a Jewish deli serving pork. It's it's what we well, we, are, we are not kosher. Well, right, you we, don't have to be kosher, right. but we label, even, it, we label it delicious trafe for anyone that that, that really we gets, a, gets. We also have an unbelievable shrimp salad as well. Sichuan. As Nick said in, you know, our deli items will always have our signature items. Nick, I think you should talk about our plateaus and the the fact that we do have at any restaurant in PA. The largest smoked fish selection now in all of uh, every restaurant in Pennsylvania. We did some digging and research, and we wanted to make sure we had the numbers in order to get one more <laughs> than the last one. So, this how many is that? How many smoked fish do you have to choose from? Uh, we have about 19, I think, now uh, with all the herrings, close yes, to 19. Right 14, 15, plus a number of other fish-centric things like like our belly lo- our pickled belly locks, our our pickled herring salad. We have our shrimp salad. We have our roll mops, which is done with with it, both uh, pickled onions and full sour pickles. Popular in Amsterdam, actually, right now. They, they have them in street carts, oddly enough. And, and the roll mops came from Germany. We talk about Eastern European influences. Popularized in the uh, 19th century and became a staple of you know the German Jews and then continued growth with the Dutch took it over in some ways and made it their thing. And so you go in there and it's very very rare to find and chef just took took this and ran with it and i i don't i don't love herring but when you combine i love herring wait don't tell our listeners because herring is amazing when you combine it i said i don't you love herring until i always have an until i tried it the way he did it i told him i didn't like the belly locks until i tried his pickling of it like what he's done with this food again it's just for me i'm falling in love with a cuisine that I never thought I would be able to fall in love with. And Chef just has that that ability to highlight and make you, bring you in and just make you love something. He's like, and the samples that he gives out to everyone. Try this, try this. And all of a sudden he's making lovers out of everyone of food they never thought. Tongue, yes. Right, tongue was, tongue is really good until mom told you what it was. And then you're like, what did I just eat? Yeah, my actually my friend's father, good friend of ours, you know, he's just like tongue. I love tongue. I love the center cut tongue. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's great talking to a lot of people, you know, 
older, you know, little older generation that was raised with this. And they're the ones that are really going after that pickled herring and the tongue and the belly locks and things. Because some of this stuff is things that they can't find anywhere around here unless you go up to New York City or possibly be able to find a spot that may serve it in Philadelphia. But as far as here in Bucks County, like there, there's no one else that's doing what we're doing. This is stuff my parents served us as little kids. I'm not making tongue for my kids and my kids don't necessarily like pickled herring, which reminds me of my dad who loves it. He eats it from the jar. But like if you want them to have a taste of their culture and I'm not making it at home, we can come somewhere else. I think it's so important because when I start seeing like younger generations coming in here with whether their grandparents or their parents, they're able to take them down like the same path that they took when they were kids, experiencing a lot of those different cuisines. And just as Mike said earlier, nostalgia is such an important word and that flows throughout every culture in the world. You get a smell, you get a feeling, and it brings you right back to that moment that is nothing but like the golden time in your life, sitting at the table with your grandparents, going to the deli with them. I know I have thousands of memories. I think the main reason I'm in this business is just one particular moment in Doylestown, sitting with my grandma, who was Sicilian, and my grandpa, and everyone was on the upstairs patio, you know, outside eating, and I was just I caught this moment of everyone eating together. And I was like, wow, this is so special. This is amazing. And while there was a lot of things that maybe I didn't excel and was great in in school, one thing I knew I was, I was great at, that was cooking and making people feel really great about themselves and creating experiences. And food is one of those things that brings everyone together at the table. Yeah, everyone's around the table. And also yeah. the type of food that you eat, like it's your history. Like there's a reason that people ate certain foods in different parts of the world at different times. There's history on every single plate that we serve here, as well as new stuff that we're making that was never done before. And I think that's the little... The little hitch in it that's going to get like the bon mitzvah is something that would get <laughs> i know it's funny love, but love that's it. a dish like that will bring in someone younger to kind of be a little bit more hip to it yeah. and just as you can see with like the decor you know uh if you want to call it designer deli or whatever you know aesthetically this is very pleasing and a really fun space to sit in regardless of what age you are you know whether you were going to delis in 1920 1930 1940 i mean we've had people come in in their hundreds that ate, ate at our deli when we were open in stockton and now we have this younger generation but you know my best feeling is just seeing all these people of different ages but when i get the hat tipped from the, some of the older folks that really does it for mike and i because yeah. we know how seeing them smile and being able to kind of revisit and get that nostalgia again we know we did our job I, I, it makes me wonder like i know that it's modernized right and it's like fresh and clean because it's new you know the, the old delis they've been around for a long time and i wonder if this is probably what it looked like when it first open. Yeah, I think, you know, with taking a lot of time with decor, we took a lot more time with this as far as, you know, picking out the right tile, me wanting the ceiling in here, the right lights. And, you know, we moved some things around and changed quite a bit from our last location, but we wanted to incorporate little textures and feels and aesthetics that even from the neon signs to the shape of the lights, to the, to the floor, the floor transitions of different tiles or polished concrete, to the steel, to the, you know, the deli cases, and of course the backdrop of Dr. Brown's with all the bagels, the names of all the hotels. This layout of our structure here was like kind of direct off like the automats that were first, you know, came to the United States in the late 1800s. These are all the Catskills hotels? 
Yes. Those are all kind of, I think, the upper echelon of hotels. And, and, and actually, Horn and Hardet Automat, their, their warehouses and stuff were in Ellenville, New York, home to, uh, uh, you know, the, the Neville and the Falls view. And a lot of what the Automat you would see back then was like the light up signs with the food and you would be able to see where you would get your food and how you'd get it. But the period piece back here, if you went into the 1950s, 60s time machine, into this genre of food with just a, a little more modern flair, like you can see it, you can feel it. The music's there in a funny way. It's kind of like our own Jewish Johnny Rockets, you know, but like a lot more upscale with, with, with the food and how we're doing it and these amazing plateaus that you can come in and share a brunch with your family and have different taste of all the cuisine that we're doing. And, uh, you know, we, we keep talking about food and family and community and and nick you you started off with our story and how nick and i met and then he starts talking about the pandemic we were strangers we met through a rabbi we basically spent nine months seeing no one except ourselves and our families yeah. to be safe and we came out of a pandemic not just with a thriving business but the fact that his kids call me uncle mike and my kids call him uncle nick and it really did become a family business uh between our families during a very during a very scary time yeah, for the you whole know world, yeah. for the entire world and not knowing how to operate but it took two crazy individuals like mike and myself to oh we're crazy <laughs> we are crazy to yes. open up this business in 2020 which i would be lying to you if i said i wasn't a little afraid not only settling back in the area that i was raised leaving california with major culture shock you know coming back to that kind of homecoming and then having to do all this research and building of a business within a pandemic which we would be here for days talking if i told you what we had to go through but i can imagine i can imagine nothing great comes easy and there's been a lot of blood, sweat, and tears involved with this business that for it to be where it's at right it's now. The, uh, it's the, uh, the, again, another Yiddish phrase. I'm throwing all the, y- the Yids out. The uh, men's trot and good lot. You know, man plans, God laughs, right? Yeah. And then we've had all of our iterations and breakdowns, but at the end of the day, the breakthroughs that we've had, the, the climbing from getting knocked down and climbing back up, things that got in our way. We've had, you know, it, we, we had the, um, the, the, the hurricane disasters. We had, we had Ida. We had the closures from that, the pandemic, the staffing issues. The market closed. Uh, we, we had uh, the market closure of where we were in, in, our, in our first iteration where the market closed. And we, we fought through it. And more importantly, we treated everyone with respect and kind of our, our mantra in the back of where I'm standing right now, be a mensch, you know? It's something that Nick and I really uphold and believe in, and as long as we're doing this and there, just be a mensch, good things will happen, you have to get through it, you know? So be, be a mensch is part of your neon sign here, but you also have a lot of other really interesting decor that is also historic. Yeah, yeah, I mean, this is a lot of memorabilia that, yeah, I know Mike's taken quite a few trips that, whether it's things that he was collecting as a kid, or things that he's been getting in his recent trips. Even the one right behind me with Henny Youngman. Henny Youngman's actual manager was coming into the Borscht quite a bit. I was telling him all about Mike, and I was like, God, do you have anything I can get from Henny Youngman that I can give Mike? Because there's no one that's going to appreciate this more than him. And he gave me, like, his little joke reel and the, and, the, and the poster. And Mike just kept, you know, stashing this stuff away, collecting our tchotchkes. And, and then finally we started... You know, getting this stuff framed and it's, it's just, 
It's amazing. I've seen it sitting in drawers at Mike's house for a really long time. These receipts from Grossinger? Yeah, receipts from Grossinger's, um, actual silverware from the Concord, um, beautiful picture of Paul Newman with all the, uh, with smoking his cigarette with all the classic ashtrays. That's my personal favorite. Um, you know, cl- uh, newspaper articles, classic like uh, golf. And, you know, I mean, so much happened up at the Borscht Bell between all the golf courses, the skiing, you know, all the comedy shows, you know, and, and I think Jerry Lewis said it best in an interview, you know, when he explained what the Borscht Belt was. And he, he said it was an area where Jewish families can travel and for a very affordable price. You can get your three meals a day, your, your a roof over your head and a show. And that's what people loved. And that's what created an amazing experience. And then you had these bungalow communities. And, and you know, I grew up going to Atlantic City as a kid. My grandparents had food stands on the Italian market. And then I would go down there and I'd watch my grandpa play craps. And we'd be staying in a beautiful suite, the Golden Nugget. But, you know, this was Mike's AC. You know, it was, it was a different type of experience. But I can appreciate it just for my love and respect for the older generation and history and that genre of food. But it all makes sense now. And like, I, I feel like I, I, I was there, you know, for everything I kind of... Do you want to explain the Borscht Belt? Like it's a cat skills. Yeah. Right. So, you know, the heyday of the Borscht Belt, you know, came was definitely the 1950s and 60s, which is kind of... Dirty we, dancing. Dirty dancing, Mrs. Maisel. Um, it, it was a place originally that... Was there? Uh, they called it, uh, you know, Jewish, uh, the Jewish Alps or vacation land. You know, they need, you know, the Jewish people at first needed a place to, to go and ski and go to the the pools and have activities, just like you'd see there. That were that kept kosher. A lot of them, you know, didn't have that environment where they can do that. Um, and they they were built. At one point, there were, I believe, uh, between bungalows and resorts. There, between bungalows and resorts, there were close to 800 uh, something bungalows and resorts back in its heyday. Um, you know, the what, what I what I love about the current time period right now, what's going on with the Borscht Belt? Like I said, you have Maisel, Dirty Dancing's making their real sequel with Jennifer Gouet. They're filming up in the Catskills right now. Oh, really? Yes, they are. You have right now, which just launched. I'm on. I'm on the board of the advisory board of the Borscht Belt Museum, which is gonna is now slated to. Um, we had our groundbreaking ceremony last month. We're gonna, it's going to be built in two years, and we're, we're going to be attending Borscht Belt Fest as the main food people, and hopefully as a permanent fixture in the museum. Uh, the Borscht Belt Historical March Marker Project, which is led by Marissa Scheinfeld, who wrote the book, the, uh, the photograph book, The Borscht Belt, where we actually have a map of all the old hotels over there. Um, so it's it, like right now is the hot time to really like go back in history in this time machine and be a part of something special and preserve this time capsule, which is not only important part of Jewish history and culture is now able to be shared with like masses of the world who are finding a lot of commonality and interest with this certain area because of popular television and because of movies and because of food that Nick Liberato is cooking that like they're like wow this is the Borscht Belt I'm in bring me back to that time time period over there put me in my DeLorean you know and it's it's just special like I keep saying that word like it's just it's a special place. It's not a deli. It's not a restaurant. It's not a bagel store. Like this is, it's, it's a true happening, right? 
and we plan on doing more with expansion, not just of food and menu items, but in product development, in the expansions of different models of the Borscht Belt, in you know Borscht Belt Bakery, and expanding on some of the um, uh, the breads and baked goods and treats of, of of this genre of food. So you know, again, this is this is a, a mutual brainchild of two crazy guys coming together in a pandemic, who you know who become brothers out of this. And we just want to share that love and passion with all of our guests and, and, and keep, keep this momentum going. Before we wrap this up, Nick, do you want to highlight any other special dishes, any desserts, any other drinks that you think is worth mentioning? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I'll start with drinks. You know, I, I'm kind of a soda snob, so, you know, so to say. But, uh, you know, of course, we have the full array of Dr. Brown's, every flavor you could possibly have. Um, I love root beer. I love cream soda. Sprecker's is one of my favorite. They're from Wisconsin. They have some great, great stuff. You know, living in Los Angeles as long as I did, Topo Chico is really fun. You know, I just, it's, it's you know, nice sparkling water. Of course, Mexican Coca-Cola because of the sugar cane. And then last but not least, our egg creams. We have some fabulous coffee from Stumptown. And uh, we're doing freshly squeezed orange juice, which is excellent. You have the, the, the nitro pump? Um, we have the nitro pump for our cold brew, which is, which is really cool. And then, um, you know, as far as, like, go-tos, you know, I love our appetizing. Um, I say that. Not a lot of pe- people look at me like, wow, I haven't heard it be called that in a while. It's usually something older, you know, kind of an older way of saying things. But, yeah, from our borscht beet salad, which was something I had created a while back. Um, kind of my wife loves borscht. And I had put a similar dish on a menu out in California, and it became a part of our appetizing. Um, you know, our chopped liver, our white fish, our macaroni salad, the coleslaw, everything tastes like what you would experience in a deli. Everything is made fresh. I am a, a, a big believer in not getting anything that is pre-made or processed. Um, otherwise, there's no integrity into it, and you're only, you know, sandbagging it, and you're, you know, you're just, you've got to put that creativity and freshness behind it, because that's why I feel everyone's loved um, what we're doing. Why is your babka so dense? <laughs> I mean, when you're layering it with, like, the chocolate and the mixtures of cinnamon, um, I'm sorry, the mixtures of sugar and cocoa powder and, and all the sugar that's put onto it, you know, it's just the dough and how thick it is and it's just it's unbeatable and we're doing babka french toast with that which is excellent um as well as our challah french toast which is built a little differently but you know all these sandwiches are you know have really creative flavors and ways that we're building them and they're they're you know there's definitely flavors that you would never see by using like like an asian crispy onion or szechuan chili cream cheese on some but then there's all the classics that you can just stick with or you can get a little bit more you know out of your your comfort zone and and go into some of these other things but for me you know i i would say probably the thing i was the most nervous about coming into this more than anything was slicing fish And, and i have you know, seafood was always my forte. Like in California, had multiple seafood restaurants. And that's something I really put a lot of love behind, being a surfer and an ocean lover. Um, I just have a great deal of respect for, you know, that product and what we're using and making sure it's sustainable. But slicing fish as thin as you possibly can so you can read the New York Times through it and having people watch you while you're slicing, you know, and I, you know, it was something I was very nervous about. But just like anything else I've applied myself to, you know, practice makes perfect. 
And now it's kind of like almost meditational to me when I'm actually slicing fish because I just enjoy it. I just really love it. There's certainly a lot of room for error for how much money is, is put into that product. So you want to make sure that it's cut right. But I really enjoy, how, you know, we built this place for both, you know, both carving areas, whether it's for pastrami or fish, to be almost a stage and something that people can enjoy and watch. Lastly, let's talk about the technology of your, your the way people order in. It's a, a brand new way to make sure that they get the freshest food. Yeah, so um, we have a company called Wizible. Basically, the genesis of Wizible came from the notion of waiting in line sucks. And our other motto is never wait in line again. So what Wizible is, and we developed our Borschfeld app around our technology. So we have an express app as one of our ordering features where we are securely tracking the the customer uh, and their device ID. Not not you know we know their distance. We don't know where they are, but um, and what it does, it's a dynamic POS system, uh, and so the queue order changes based on geofence GPS technology and a pinging mechanism we put in there. So we know once you're getting into the fence, how, how much we ping, how long things need to take. So whenever you order hot food, it's just in time hot. Your cold coffee isn't melted, sitting on a ledge uh, at some places that might be that you might have you might have heard about where you walk in and there's melted ice cubes, coffee on a ledge. Wait, so the system actually like cues the orders for you based on when people are going to come in and pick it up. That's correct. How long it is, is a couple dynamic, how long it takes to make your food and then the proximity of the customer to do it. So again, it's great system to integrate into third party apps like DoorDash and Grubhub and Uber Eats, because a lot of times, even though you can track your driver, they might have multiple stops. They might be sitting somewhere else waiting food for 10 minutes and you already prepared your food because most places are preparing food as the orders come in. It's not an efficient way to do it. So this way it changes the rules and creates a brand new experience which enhances the customer experience and also the amount of things we can do in, you know, that we can do and accomplish as a business uh, really, really works. So Wizible works. We're excited about it. Um, We have other technology integrations for ordering. Uh, as well, our express window, mobile ordering, uh, just ways, waiter, waitress service through open table and, and re- reserve seats. So we have ways we want to be able to take care of our customers in multiple different facets with technology and then different teams of people servicing them to limit the weights because, again, as we said, waiting in line sucks. And we want you to have a, a, a just a very positive outcome at the Borscht Belt. Enjoy your time here, not waiting for things to happen. All right. Well, the Borscht Belt opens on Tuesday, May 30th. Mike Dalowitz and Chef Nick Liberato are the co-owners of this Newtown restaurant here at Village South Shopping Center, 2124 South Eagle Road. And if people want more information or they want to just order online, where do they go? So you can go to theborschbelt.com. It will guide you through ordering platters through our system or going right to our menu, which will be linked to toast. You can go on all third-party DoorDash, Grubhub, Uber Eats as well. You can download the the Borschbelt app next month, and it's available for your express ordering through Wizzable. Multiple ways to get it. You can come in and just... You know, just say hi to, to Chef Nick. He's he's always here and, and happy to engage with our customers and, uh, you know, tell his stories of uh, his, his, his restaurants and Hollywood successes and uh, just shoot the proverbial. Uh, so we, we're... And definitely give us a follow um, at The Borscht Belt on Instagram and the, the Borscht Belt Delicatessen on Facebook. And I'm always collabing with the actual, with our page. And I'm at Chef Nicky on Instagram.
Spelled borscht. Borscht. B-O-R-S-C-H-T. Okay, now you have to pronounce it in a Russian accent. Borscht. <laughs> borscht. Like, isn't it like borscht? Borscht. Borscht. <laughs> All right, thank you guys so much, and congratulations on your new opening here. It's beautiful. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you so much. Look forward to seeing you all. That's it for this episode of What's Cooking on KYW. You can follow the show and get other delicious tidbits on Instagram at foodinthe215. And follow me on Twitter and Facebook for more news and insights at Hadas Kuznets. If you have a food tip or feedback about the show, reach out. And please take a moment to help us by rating and reviewing the show on iTunes. It helps us to keep making the podcast and get it to new listeners. I'm Hadas Kuznets, and that's What's Cooking. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Get your head in the financial game with smart investing and budgeting tips straight from the nerds. NerdWallet's experts will set future you up for success with dependable fact-based insights. No financial misinformation allowed. Learn how to save on your summer vacation. Find your next credit card or loan for a big purchase and invest in your next index fund. Make smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.